Hallelujah. Tonight we're going to be covering session five from our current small group series based on Reverend Tony Cook's book, Grace, the DNA of God. And so we have the pleasure of watching Reverend Tony on video tonight. So let's take a look. Welcome to session five of this video series, Grace, the DNA of God. I absolutely love this topic. This is such a rich, vibrant uh, study. The grace of God is so wonderful. And uh, I, I just, again, pray that uh, this information is way more than just information to you, that this will actually just increase your love for God and uh, create within you a response to what God in His grace has done. One of the great lessons of grace is that God is always the initiator. Uh, we did not seek Him. He sought us. We did not love Him. He loved us. And any love that we have for Him is a response to uh, our knowledge of Him as He reveals Himself to us through the person of Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. And in our previous sessions, we uh, talked about how that God's grace is somewhat like electricity. It is a force. It is a uh, presence coming from Him into our lives. And just like electricity, we can plug any number of appliances in and benefit. And with the grace of God... Uh, whatever areas of our life we open up to him, then his grace comes into our life and creates change and a, a, a wonderfully positive effect. We talked about saving grace. We talked about sanctifying grace, strengthening grace, sharing grace, and serving grace. And in this session, I want to talk about uh, how to operate in, how to receive, how to experience, how to partake, uh, how to really enjoy the grace of God. And, and one of the things that we're going to see is, is that uh, there are things that you and I can do that will determine how much of God's grace we actually get to enjoy. One of the things we need to understand is this, that God is a gentleman. He is not going to force uh, his grace upon you. That would be quite an oxymoron for grace to be forced. Uh, but we do have the privilege, while we never earn grace, that would also be an oxymoron. While we don't earn grace, there are certainly things that the Bible tells us uh, that allow us to receive and partake of that wonderful, joyful, free gift. Uh, that he gives us that we call grace. I want us to look at a great passage in John chapter 1, and I absolutely love the way the Amplified Bible renders John chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, and it's referring to Jesus, of course, it says, For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share and we were all supplied with one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. I, I love that. Out of his fullness, out of Jesus' abundance, we have all received, 
all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. You know, we got a little glimpse of this in the Old Testament, where in the book of Lamentations it says that his mercies are new every morning. And I just want you to know that God is so rich in his grace toward us that there is a a supply of God's grace, a provision of his grace that is is given to us in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you. I don't know if any one human being can handle it all at once. So it would seem that it is administered progressively and perpetually uh, throughout our lives. Uh, The new Bible commentary here says the fullness does not come to us all at once, but in a progression of gracious experiences. And so I want you to know that we get to experience God's grace as he just progressively and continuously makes that grace available. Another commentary here says, here the picture is grace taking the place of grace like the manna fresh each morning, new grace for the new day and the new service. So I want you to know you're never going to fully exhaust the grace of God, no matter how much of his goodness you explore and experience and benefit from. There's always going to be more uh, treasures, more riches of his grace uh, tomorrow uh, to continue to enjoy and to be blessed by. Now, one statement that I want to make, and this is kind of pivotal for us, is that God's grace is freely given. By him, of course, God's grace is freely given, but it is not automatically received, experienced, or enjoyed by man. You and I have to receive the grace of God. As we said earlier, God is a gentleman. He's not going to force his grace. He's not even going to force his blessings upon us. And so we want to look... Uh, in scripture to find out how do we partake how do we receive grace now we need to understand this our union with him our our relationship our connection our union with god begins the moment that we are born again but the quality of what we experience and enjoy can vary significantly from one believer to another uh, in in one believer's life from one day to the next, depending on the degree to which we are receiving, accessing, and experiencing the grace of God. Uh, God gives it freely, but you and I have to receive and have to walk in it. He gives new expressions of grace as we encounter new phases of life, different experiences, situations, each phase of life has its own unique difficulties. And in response, God manifests new dimensions of grace. So how is it that we access? I like that word access. When you think of an interstate, an interstate is a great way to travel, but you have to be able to access the interstate. You know, we're familiar with the on-ramps, 
And so I want to talk to you about four specific on-ramps, four specific things that the Bible says that allow us to fully access the grace of God. And the first one is a very, very, very simple one, and that is faith. By faith, by trusting God, we access the grace of God. Romans chapter 5 makes this incredibly clear. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful, phenomenal statement. By faith, we've been justified, and as a result, we have peace with God. And verse 2 says, through whom, through Jesus, also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That statement is so, so powerful and so significant. We have access by faith into this grace. So there is saving grace, sanctifying grace, strengthening grace, sharing grace, serving grace. So there's this wonderful reservoir of of God's grace, His love, His compassion, His ability, His provision for us that's available. But how do we access the grace of God? Paul says we have access by faith into the grace of God. So bottom line, we have to believe. It's not a chore. It's not a burden. It's a joy to believe. It's a joy to take God at his word and accept his word and his character as being uh, trustworthy. And by faith, we access the grace of God. So if you want to start enjoying more and more grace, just start believing him more. That is not a dead religious work where you're trying to, you know, use your own strength. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And the more you hear of God's goodness and the more you hear of his graciousness, uh, faith then is an automatic response that, of course, again, we yield to. God doesn't force it, but, but we choose to let faith arise in our heart. And through faith, we then access the grace of God. We see faith and grace working together in Ephesians 2, 8. The verse that we looked at specifically under saving grace, uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. So again, grace and faith work together. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You know, maybe it's a little bit simplistic, but I think it, it... rings pretty true. And when we talk about grace, we are talking about what God has done for us through Jesus Christ and even what he's doing for us now through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Grace is the sum total of all that God has done for us, is doing for us, and ever will do for us. Grace is what God has done. And faith is simply man's response and saying yes to God 
uh, opening up and receiving what God has done. Uh, grace, we could say, is God's hand full of provision, reaching down, offering us everything that he is and everything that he has. And faith is our hand reaching up and simply saying, thank you, I accept it. I want you to know that grace and faith are partners. They are complementary. Don't let anybody ever tell you that grace and faith are in opposition to one another. Uh, we have access by faith into this grace. Uh, we are saved by grace through faith. Grace and faith work together, and faith allows us to access the provision of God's grace. So the number one way that we access the grace of God is through faith. Number two, the second way that we access the grace of God is through the knowledge of God, through actually knowing Him. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, another monumentally significant verse in the New Testament. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. I'll tell you, the more I learn about grace, the idea of grace being multiplied to me is a pretty exciting proposition. Uh, and, and Peter actually said here that not only is grace multiplied to us, but his peace is multiplied to us as well. I don't know too many people that say, no, I have too much grace in my life. I have too much peace in my life. Uh, I don't know about you. I want all the grace and all the peace of God that I can have. And um, the Bible says that it's multiplied to us in the knowledge of God. Now, that word knowledge here is uh, is very interesting. And uh, it, it, the Amplified, let me share with you how the Amplified renders this. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, May grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied to you. Now listen to this. In the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that? The knowledge is rendered in the Amplified the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The Weist translation renders this, this verse, sanctifying grace to you and tranquilizing peace be multiplied in the sphere of and by the experiential knowledge which the believer has of God, even Jesus our Lord. There's something about the way these passages are rendered in these translations where these translators went for a real specific implication of that word knowledge. Uh, this word knowledge means, in the Greek language, it means a full knowledge. 
it implies more than just knowing something casually or distantly about God, accumulating facts and information about Him. It refers to knowing God in a personal and intimate way, a real heart experience. That's why these are the terms these translations use, a full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge and experiential knowledge. And the Bible says that is what is going to cause grace to be multiplied to us. So we first of all access grace through faith, and then the more we come to know Him personally and intimately, the more His grace and peace are multiplied to us. A third access point for the grace of God is humility. Humility. You know, God is no respecter of persons, uh, but it appears that some people seem to walk in greater measures, greater degrees of grace, and uh, we, we should yearn and desire for the fullness of God's grace, His, His, you know, saving power, sanctifying power, strengthening power, His divine enablement in our lives. Uh, we need Him. And humility is a really big key there. In James chapter 4 and verse 6, listen to what James said. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. So if he gives more grace, he must know that we need more grace sometimes. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I like what Peter said also, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. He said, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, we may not like part of this. You know, we may not like the idea that God resists people at certain times. But any of us, even as believers, can put ourselves in a position where through pride, God has to resist us. It doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't even mean that we're not his children or that we're not going to go to heaven when we die. But if I wake up in the morning and I say, well, Lord, this morning, I trust you as my Savior. You know, I, I thank you that because of you, my sins are forgiven. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm just reminding myself that I am a child of God. And so saving grace, that's all fine. But let's say that I look at the day and I say, you know what, God, I am fully capable of handling everything today without your help. I, I, am, I am smart enough. I am wise enough. I am talented enough. I, am, I can do this by myself. And you'd say no Christian would ever actually say that. Well, no, probably not. I hope not. But have we ever had that attitude? Have we ever had an attitude of self-reliance where we think we can do it without God's help? 
And, and what self-reliance is, is in essence pride. And if we have the attitude before God, God, I can do this by myself without your help. God will, he will resist us. He'll say, okay, fine, you have it your way, do it on your own. So anytime we operate in pride, in an attitude of self-reliance, God resists us in that area. It doesn't mean he abandons us, doesn't mean he doesn't love us so that we're not his children, but in that area, we're going to do it on our own. And uh, probably we will find that life always works better if we will do what the Bible says, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And when we humble ourselves, what happens? He gives more grace. He gives grace to the humble. And we will find that life works a lot better. You know, the prideful man says, God, I don't need you. I can do it all by myself. And I just wonder how many folks there are, Christians, who really, without stopping to think about it, they're trusting in themselves rather than trusting God in every area of their life. D.L. Moody said this, he said, God sends no one away empty except for those who are full of themselves. So God, help us not to be full of ourselves. Help us to really humble ourselves. And as such... We partake of not just grace, but more grace, because God gives grace to the humble. And finally, number four, the fourth way that we access the grace of God is through boldness. Now, you may think, but we've just talked about humility, and I thought, I thought boldness was the opposite of humility. No, boldness is not the opposite of humility. Arrogance is the opposite of humility. Arrogance is a confidence based merely on self. Boldness is a confidence based upon God. And when we know who God is, and we know that God is for us, and we see his amazing love, his great power, his incredible promises, um, his, his ever-constant presence in our life, uh, that fuels a boldness, a confidence based on God and his goodness toward us. I love what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14 through 16 says, in the New Living, it says, So then, since we have a great high priest, and we know who that is, Jesus, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings as we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We have this amazing invitation from God to come boldly before the throne of grace. And what are we going to find at the throne of grace? Are we going to find condemnation? Are we going to find shame? 
Are we going to find guilt? Are we going to find fault finding? No. When we come to the throne of grace, we have this wonderful promise that we will find and receive mercy. And I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I miss it. I, I make mistakes. I do something wrong or don't do something that I should. And I thank God that if I miss it, I don't need to run away from God. See, if I believed that God was a condemning, shaming, fault-finding God, I, you know, I might need to feel a, a, an obligation to run from Him. But because I know that God sits upon a throne of grace, and I can come boldly before that throne and obtain mercy, and find what? I find grace to help me in the time of need. So I want you to know, we go back to that very first verse that we looked at. Let's look at that again. Out of His fullness, out of Jesus' fullness and abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. I want you to know God has a full supply. There's always going to be enough grace for you. And, and we don't share that so that anybody would abuse the grace of God, but we do that so you will run to Him and uh, enjoy fully the, the full benefits and increasing measures of His grace. How do we access the grace of God? Number one, we access His grace by faith. We trust Him. Number two, we access His grace through His knowledge, knowing Him intimately and personally. His grace is actually multiplied unto us. And then as we humble ourselves before Him, uh, He gives more grace. And then we come boldly before the throne of grace. And there we find mercy and grace. I'll tell you what. Uh, God is so good. He has given us such an amazing invitation. Uh, it's just a privilege to be uh, a partaker of His grace. We're going to take up some other exciting things next time we get together, and we'll look forward to seeing you in the next session. God bless you. Well, I'm excited for us to break up into small groups tonight. But before we do that, we want to say goodnight to our online family and friends out there tonight. Remember, the discussion questions are located on our website at heartofthebay.org. And so that's for you to discuss at home. And we just thank you so much for joining us. We love you and good night.